Good morning and welcome to the Mr. Elvin Podcast. It's Tuesday, September 14th. I'm your host, Jamie Montram, and here to talk about the Washington football team's opening week loss to the Chargers. It's the Justin Herbert to my Chase Young, Matt Terrell. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jamie. How you doing? I'm doing good. I was impressed by our local columnist, Barry Sferluga. Uh, the the takery in his column this week, which was more or less, if you were to you know give the headline version, was that you know Washington should have drafted Justin Herbert instead of Chase Young. I appreciated that. Well, it's it's confusing to me because in hindsight, I would say that is the obvious answer. But I mean, nobody at the time, I, I don't think, anticipated this from Herbert, right? Justin Herbert's name was not in the air. Uh, for Washington in that draft, uh, leading up to that draft, uh, what, 2020, spring of 2020. Uh, I, I, multiple times on this pod, like when that was happening and then after, was saying that if Washington thought that Tua was a better prospect than Dwayne Haskins, they should have drafted Tua instead of Chase. That was a pretty unpopular opinion i feel like everybody i i floated that out to was like you're an idiot chase young's a generational talent and in hindsight yeah i think that probably it's not looking good for tua so far but who knows herbert taken four picks later was pretty much ignored by like the washington you know chattering class and man regardless of what you think about if washington should have had the foresight to take him or whatever if you just watched him on sunday that is an impressive quarterback i really would like it if that was our quarterback for the next decade. Me too. Um, I, although there's the slim chance and I suppose this sort of gets to the meat of what we'll be discussing, but there's a slim chance that the Washington secondary might just be atrocious. That that is a possibility. So you're zeroing in on the secondary. Okay. Because Herbert, I, I couldn't tell if it was like our, like he was just throwing to open receivers or if he just had all the time in the world or a combination of both, plus the fact that he just throws laser beams, accurate laser beams every single time, and is like six foot six to begin with, so he's operating from a pretty good vantage point. Like, he just looked unstoppable and made the Washington defense, which, you know, had to be feeling themselves coming into this game, uh, look pretty weak. He did. They did. Um, I... I don't know. I, I texted you. So, so for the thrilling behind the scenes, look at my thought process, I texted you on what was it Friday or Thursday saying, all right, this is officially when I start my bad feeling about this season. And you were like, why? And I was like, Oh, and I didn't know, but I will tell you that what we saw was exactly what my bad feeling was about. It was just the team, everything that we were assuming was good. The defense, basically um, the skill position players was really kind of unproven. I mean, the defense did not have that great a year last year. So that's why I say that now we just don't know. I mean, we just like uh, probably Herbert is exceptional. I mean, he was placing the ball. He was throwing lasers. He was making great decisions. He also did have a bunch of time. But until we see them you know, up against some other people, uh, it, it's there's the outside possibility. That this is just what this defense is going to look like this year, which would be disastrous. I mean, overall, the defense was good last year, but they got hot late 
you know, I against like bad that, quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, they got hot late, and they were feeling themselves this year. I can't remember the exact quote, but coming into the season, there was chatter. I don't know if it came from Sweat or Young or both about them breaking the NFL sack record, like a, a duo sack record, which is like it's like forty sacks. It's something ridiculous. These are two dudes that have never combined for more than 18 or whatever they got last year. And they got zero on Sunday. Did Swat, did Sweat get a, a sack credit for that weird fumble that he caused? I don't know, actually. But, would, and, in any event, I feel like Sweat had exactly one, one play where he got home. Young had zero. And just overall, the defense, I think there was one or two sacks total, but very little pass rush. And that that's probably the most concerning thing for me. It's not like Sandy or sorry, LA has a vaunted offensive line. The broadcast mentioned that it was five new starters on the line. Yeah. Including a rookie left tackle. And that, and that, that offensive line won the matchup with what should be the strength of Washington. It's defensive line and pass rush. I am worried, Jamie. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I, I keep coming back to, I keep turning over my head. I'm actually really glad they have a Thursday game this week because I think if I had to just sit with this till Sunday, I'd be really annoyed. But like, I, there's a chance that LA is, is, you know, in the top two or three in the AFC, um, which in which case, keeping it close, not getting totally demolished would be a, a small victory. But what really frustrates me is that like, this is the same conversation we have every year, every year after the opener. We have well, that's uh, why like, it's so comfortable. That's why, that's why I enjoy this so much. Uh, I'm so tired of it, man. It's like Thanksgiving, you know. It's just comfort. Huh. Well, well, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, well, sort of t- to the point about like it wasn't all bad. Like the Chargers are a at least average, maybe good team, and this game could have gone either way. I mean, it felt like. Washington got its ass kicked, but it was a 20 to 16 final. They were winning. They definitely won the middle third of the game when everything seemed to be going right there for like, you know, a a fleeting moment leading up to the Antonio Gibson fumble. Um, You know, so not all bad. Like, you know, it was not a game that everyone was expecting Washington to win. Although I think some pregame shows were, were heavily picking them. They were favored by one point going in last I saw. And week one, weird, weird shit happens. I think underdogs uh, were like nine and seven or something like that in week one. So, you know, it it was just like this. It was just a disappointing and discouraging game. But the end result was not necessarily far off from what you'd expect. Um, The uh, I just don't know. I'm looking at your rundown here and it just I shake my head at everything, every single thing. It just, I, I, I don't know, man. I was really, I, we came into the season hoping for something approaching normalcy um, and something, in other words, a little different from what we usually get. And instead, um, I don't know, we, we get Thanksgiving comfort food again. What about Fitz? Where did you fall on that? Okay, so just interesting personal, well, not interesting, but whatever, personal anecdote. Um, I, we were on the road this weekend, went to a nice little river cottage. It was lovely. We are coming home Sunday afternoon and getting home at about halftime. So my son in the way back of the car is watching the game on my phone. And my only rule is, hey, kid, no spoilers. I'm going to watch the game on, on DVR as soon as we get home. No spoilers. 
So he's good about it. Doesn't give me any spoilers. He's even like giving me some pretty tactful, like game updates from around the league. Like, Oh, Tyler Lockett just scored a touchdown or whatever. Great. Good job, kid. We pull into the driveway and I'm like, all right, I'm going to turn on the game. No spoilers. And he's like, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, Fitzpatrick got hurt and Terry McLaurin has zero targets. <laughs> I'm like, what? You just told this two very big plot points. <laughs> Come on. Um, so yeah, Fitzpatrick, who has played in the league forever for nine different teams. We all know this. It's pretty much never gotten hurt. Gets hurt in the first half of football with the Washington football team. He, he but, uh, but much like, so much like everybody else who has quarterbacked this team from the last however many years, he has not made it through the season. And, you know, like many, he's suffered a catastrophic injury. However, also like many, he wasn't looking good when he was in there. Like it took us like four drives before we reached the point where I'm like, huh, maybe we need to see the backup quarterback. Like that's insane. <laughs> Even by this team's standards, like he was just getting warmed up, man. I don't think he'd thrown a ball more than like five yards past the line of scrimmage. I, I, I don't know. I was, so what I was complaining about when prior to Fitz's injury was I felt like Scott Turner was not calling a good game. I didn't really understand what the strategy was. Uh, I couldn't make much sense of it. And then when Fitz went out, it was like, I couldn't tell if the strategy changed or if Heineke just couldn't execute the strategy. So he was just improvising and his improvising looked much more fun than Fitz sort of following the strategy. But the offense as a whole, I thought just seemed um, tactically anemic. Like the individual players, you know, Gibson, I thought looked pretty good. Uh, nasty fumble aside McLaurin once they remembered he was on the team looked good Logan Thomas for that touchdown catch looked good but like it just felt like they didn't I I don't know I, I was not enjoying watching the offense be called and you know the other comfort food feeling I got to have was watching all the other games right up through the Raiders Ravens game last night and being like why is all of this football so much more fun to watch than Washington did you did you have that at all or is this just me whining well, the, I mean, up until the Fitz injury it was definitely that it was it was just tough to watch, unimaginative, no no production. But that was a very brief period. I mean, not even a half of football. But when Heineke went in, it got pretty fun. We got the Tyler Taylor, whatever Heineke experience, and he was doing shovel passes and he was scrambling and you know putting points on the board. That was pretty fun. Whether that's sustainable or not, I think is another question. But uh, I think. There was like three acts to this game and the first and third acts were insufferable. The middle act was, was a lot of fun and, and maybe you can hang on to that. I hang on is the right word. Cause whenever term, I suppose, cause whenever I watch him, I have this feeling of like that he's hanging on the outside of a train and it's like speeding. He's just sort of doing whatever yeah. he can to like cling to it. It's just, there's this constant breakneck reckless feeling uh, to watching him play that I can imagine could get very frustrating at times, but in this game, it was like a breath of fresh air, man. It's thrilling. It's thrilling. I don't believe in it, and I don't think it's sustainable, and I think he's probably going to get hurt. And that all of this is the reason why I was so glad that they signed Fitzpatrick. Like, they showed the graphic on the broadcast. It was uh, the four quarterbacks that played last year. Washington got, like, 11 starts last year from Haskins and Allen and Heineke and went, like, 2-9 and nine in those games. And bringing Fitzpatrick in felt like not only that they'd improve by a few games, but they'd have a little bit of a buffer 
they'd have one more guy in the in the ranking there before you get down to the Allen Haskins replacement level quarterback. And now the margins is that much thinner. So like, yeah, they could win with Heineke, Heineke on Thursday, or maybe he can produce for a few games. But is anybody banking on Heineke being like above replacement level and healthy for a significant portion of the season? I I doubt it. No, which really raises the question: Why do they seem so emphatically opposed to bringing in Cam Newton? And and let me be clear: I would I have been up until this point opposed to bringing in Cam Newton. I had no real interest in the Cam Newton experience. Like it just it it didn't make a lot of sense. But right now, like neither Heineke nor Allen is a you know a young promising rookie that you're trying to you know make comfortable, you know, that you don't want to have threatened by a veteran being there. Um, your quarterback depth chart is too deep of like just sheer abject mediocrity and a former league MVP with experience in this team's offense or in, in this, you know, coaching staff's offense is just sort of sitting out there on the streets. Um, it seems weird to me that they're this resistant to bringing him in. I don't know how I feel about this. It's like, it's logical. I get the logic of it. But I feel like I'd rather roll with Heineke and Allen and wait for Fitzpatrick to get back than bringing Newton in because that just shifts everything. I feel like that shifts everything towards this is Cam's team now. Okay, but if it's Cam's team and Cam takes the team, you know, Cam, who looked reasonably sharp in the preseason, he looked dreadful last year, but he looked reasonably sharp in the preseason. Um, And there's there's no... I just don't, I don't believe, I think the best case with Heineke is that he's a fun stopgap measure, um, even if he doesn't get injured. I just, I don't believe that he's going to turn into a long-term starting prospect. So if it's just a space filler for the rest of the year anyway, why not try somebody who's actually above replacement level? Could we break the glass on Cam uh, when Heineke gets hurt? Can we just wait for that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable with that. I'd like... Yeah, I, I, I that, that's fine. Except I'd, ra- he... I'd rather I'd rather give the ball to Heineke right now than Cam. So like, bringing in Cam disrupts that in a way that I, I I'm not you know hoping for. But yeah, I, I I think you're in a position where you are looking at unexpected solutions. Um, one of my favorite <laughs> tweets of the week or whatever oh God. was <laughs> when Fitzpatrick went down. RG three posted. <laughs> A highlight of his as a as a you know the seventy six yard run uh, for the Redskins back in the day, and the caption was just "Make the call." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I don't want them to make the call, but I love that he posted that. I mean, he, I, I've I've been staring at it, and then he uh, he had a little bit of a back and forth with PFT commenter after that. I don't know if you oh, saw. I, what, I, did, I did not see that. It was I, I forget what. Uh, uh, I think PFT commenter said something to the effect of like, bring him home. And, uh, and RG three came back with uh, like, we live in crazy times or what a wonderful world or something to that effect. That was, that's the gist of the conversation. And so I'm like, he's joking, right? Like, this is like, this is comedy. This isn't, this isn't him actually expecting to be brought back. Is it what, like, what do you think? I, I thought he, I'm not really on the RG three beat these days, but I thought he had made the full transition to, to media guy i I thought that was and and actually also like promising media career guy so i i think he should probably just stick with that yeah i mean and also he looked dreadful when he had a chance last year 
Yeah, it hasn't looked it hasn't looked good for him in a long time. I think actually since 2012, uh, maybe was the last time. Uh, anything else on the quarterback situation? Um, no. <laughs> it's it's just it's just so frustrating. Sticking with the offense and frustration, uh, I don't know how you don't target McLaurin for a whole half, but then it was like they couldn't stop targeting McLaurin. They threw to him like four straight times, including that like miraculous catch on the sideline. Like I, I just love that dude. And like the, like the Raiders have Darren Waller and they threw to him 19 times last night. Darren Waller is right now on pace for like 350 targets this season. McLaurin, I'm not saying he needs 19 targets, but why do you, how can you like not throw to him at least like a dozen times in a game if you're Washington? I think it's because your offensive coordinator, if you're Washington, is not very good. That's, that's really like, that's my, uh, I'm already sort of staking out my, my corner for the season. And I I have a strong suspicion that it's going to be the, uh, anti-Turner. Well, the sort of the Bill Simmons patented, uh, are we sure Scott Turner is good kind of corner? (laughs) Well, is anybody sure that he's good? So I feel like you have to be like a consensus good to get that sort of framing. And I don't know that anybody's like, oh, yeah, this guy's awesome. But did you hear a single when when everybody's doing their preseason whatevers? Was anybody ever like, well, I don't know if this Scott Turner offense is going to be the ticket, but generally favorable, like he's generally got a, a good favorability uh but i'm just looking at the targets dude mclaurin had four targets four catches how, how many did logan four thomas targets. have three and three catches I, I mean yeah they only threw 21 passes this was a weird game i mean it was very balanced like they ran gibson had 20 carries um, but yeah, I mean, mclaurin and thomas are clearly your two most effective receivers and they combined for seven targets Meanwhile, Keenan Allen got 13. Keenan Allen was, well, what was, by the way, so impressive. Like, that dude's a stud. Like, McLaurin's a stud. I'm not, I'm not like comparing or saying one's better than the other or whatever, but Keenan Allen was like obviously a dude. And it was like he was getting, uh, you know, he had 100 yards and he was getting uh, ground on William Jackson III. I, I feel like William Jackson played pretty well, but Allen, Allen and Herbert were just that good. Um, what was the run pass balance for the chargers? Uh, they did not, well, actually they did run the ball more than I expected. They had 23, 25 carries with their backs and Herbert had 47 passes. Uh, That's the thing. Washington's offense was balanced, but I think it was balanced in a way that offense was balanced in like 1999 or 2005. I don't think, I don't think the game. That, that, that's a good point. I, I, when I said balanced, I was not necessarily complimenting them. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I would go farther and I would say it just, it looked, it just looked archaic to me. I don't know. I like, mm-hmm. I, when I'm watching a John Gruden, a circa 2021 John Gruden coached offense quarterback by Derek Carr and thinking like, man, this is a pleasure to watch compared to the team that I root for. It, something is off the rails. Um, I don't know. I don't um, know. While we're on the offense, Antonio Gibson looked good, and I was glad that they were giving him a lot of usage, uh, whether it's, you know, handing it to him or, or short passes or whatever, because uh, he did have three catches in addition to the 20 carries. But that fumble was so fucking awful. I, I feel like I'm going to ha- there's going to be a stigma attached to him for a long time. 
it wasn't just that he fumbled like inside his own five yard line in a close game after, you know, what should have been a game changing interception. It was that you could see the fumble coming from a mile away. Like before he even engaged with the tackler, he had that ball out. I mean, you know, you'd say he was like carrying it like a loaf of bread, but like you don't carry bread like that. You don't want to drop the bread. And I'm very he, careless with bread. Yeah, it's just it was just an awful. I know he was he very very notably was not a running back in college, but good lord, man, that technique. I we wouldn't allow that on our ten year old Pop Warner team. I was not as thrilled as you were that they were giving him a lot of work and he's on my fantasy team. So from a certain small perspective, I was like, well, at least he's, you know, a focal point. I guess that's good, but I just, I'm not convinced he can stand up to that workload and it just seems strange that they, they gave him, they were giving him that much work. Well, it just seems else, weird to me. Well, to, one thing that was weird to me was like McKissick was like nowhere in this game. McKissick got, I mean, he, I feel like he averaged like 10 catches down the stretch last year per game. He had zero catches on one target. So I don't know what, I don't know what or what, like why he was missing from the game plan. Uh, is Gibson just like a three down back now? And then the other thing is like Patterson got a couple carries. That was good to see Jared Patterson in there. But are you saying like Jared Patterson should, should be like more prominently featured? I'm saying they should be sharing the ball around more in the running game that I don't think, I mean, whoever you do, I wasn't, I mean, if you don't think Jared Patterson should be more prominently featured, then you should have someone else on the roster who you do think should be more prominently featured. I mean, the, the Ravens who, you know, lost whatever four running backs have brought in, you know, three or four credible guys to take off some workload and pick up, mm-hmm. you know, a reasonable chunk mm-hmm. of carries. I, I don't Good know. Point. Uh, it's uh, like, I'm, a, I'm really of two minds here. The fantasy football uh, fan in me is hundred percent like, yes, three down backs are awesome. It's great. You know, lock him in for 10 to 15 points a game floor. Mm-hmm. But the Washington football watcher in me is like, that's not going to last the whole season. And then you've got Jared Patterson. It's your starting back. Mm-hmm. Which would probably mean, honestly, with running backs, I feel like that would be fine. <laughs> but, but anyways, uh, the fumble was bad, bad about it. Uh, do we want to talk any more about the defense? Do you have any, any more observations? Well, everybody sort of called out, um, what's his name? Benjamin St. Just, who was being picked on. Um, but again, I couldn't tell if it was that he had a really bad game or if it's just that Herbert was that good, but it was not, it was not an auspicious beginning really for anybody on this team. I felt the same way about St. Just. And William Jackson, like, I thought Jackson looked good. I didn't think St. Juice looked bad. It's just like Herbert had time and he has good receivers and he just has a laser rocket arm. He puts it right on the numbers. I swear to God, every ball was like waist high to chest high, like not even in the catch radius, but like right, like basically hitting them in, in the chest, in the spot or direction where they were going. So like at best the defensive back was going to get like a hand on it. Maybe. I don't know. I was very impressed by Herbert. It was, it was a lot. Um, I was too. It was depressing. The sweat, the play that was ruled a fumble out of the end zone. Is that the worst call you've ever seen in your life? I don't know if it was the worst, but it was certainly one of the weirdest. Like that was just baffling. I'd like, I don't, and it was, 
it's one of those things where whenever when you see a play and none of the players on the team, either team, appear to be like considering the possibility that you know it's a live ball or that you know, that whatever is happening is happening. Um, it's it's always weird to me when the officials are like no no wait here's what actually happened there uh, it was it was and, super strange and and watching the replays you know in the announcing team and the whatever rules official that they that they throw to from the broadcast everyone seemed to be in agreement like that was not a fumble it herbert was on like i don't know the 10 yard line he threw it out of the back of the end zone <laughs> like i don't understand it wasn't like the ball came free and then he just like batted it or whatever like he was throwing the ball and his arm got hit and it went like 20 yards forward. It was just inexplicable to me. I, I could not, I feel like I now all NFL rules are called into question. If they weren't before, I now feel zero confidence that I, that I understand the rule book. Uh, which is yet another normal outcome of watching the seasoning opening Washington football games. It's just like, yep, uh, here we go. I don't even, I don't even trust football anymore. Okay, another big talking point I'll give us a chance to chew on it was in the fourth quarter, Washington is not so much driving, but they have the ball in San Diego territory, like around the 40. They're down four points, and it's fourth and seven. They punt. I thought it was the right call. The broadcast Did you really? Critical, uh, and I saw a lot of other people were critical. But yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, I did not. I just I I feel like uh, I've just seen too many games, especially with this team, especially when the defense is doing what they were doing this game, which, you know, you could charitably call bending and not breaking. Um, but bending in a clock killing situation is just as bad as breaking. Um, yeah, I, I, you, I just didn't see. And if the argument is, well, we, 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 our defense is our strength and we want to trust them. Well, fine take another offensive shot and then trust your defense and if you give them a shorter field it means they're going to have the ball for less time if they do drive it down on you and you might get it back again um giving them more space to work and to eat yards and you know eat clock and seven yard chunks or whatever it just it was i don't know uh, it, well i don't know i mean post decision the outcome was shitty like well no no doubt about that i mean the Chargers drove down the field but like okay it was a pretty good punt that should have been inside the 10 but a penalty on the punt unit on cheeseman i think basically puts them out near the 20 so the whole exchange only gained you like 20 yards of field that sucks then you've got la you know they haven't gone anywhere with the ball and it's like third and 16 third and 17 and they get it to a wide open keenan allen how does that even happen so like you know, it didn't work out, but when you are at the decision point and it's fourth and seven, there was really no good options. I thought the offense looked like shit at that point and was going backwards. I had no confidence that they were going to get a conversion on fourth and seven. So I don't know. They could have gone for it. I didn't mind that they punted it. It was just a shitty outcome. Yeah, well, the outcome was undeniably horrible, but uh, I just I don't. I don't know. It's, I never, I rarely agree with that. And I certainly didn't agree with it here. And it's always fun when the outcome and the, um, and my inclinations are, are aligned. Well, you, well, you, you were right on this one. Yeah. Uh, one other thing on the rundown, I didn't really dive into this one. I just saw the video of like 
all the water pouring out onto the seats in FedEx. And like, I don't know if it was like, people were like, it's a sewage leak. Or I, I guess the excuse was it was, it was like rainwater that had been trapped. Like, so what the, fuck, what the fuck was that? So I definitely saw people tweeting and I, I don't know if there were real people or if they were astroturfed or whatever, but I saw people tweeting in response to like the local radio stations who were doing stories on it saying like, I was in it. It did not smell like sewage. Uh, you know, somebody there thought were, that there were no turds. Yeah. Somebody thought that it was a, um, uh, like the sprinkler system had, had blown a leak. Somebody suggested. Um, and I had a friend of a friend who was involved in it and who had told me before it came out and before the team sort of released it, that, they had taken them up to a suite. They had given them dry clothes and Redskins gear, and they had probably, excuse me, Washington football gear. Although knowing this team, it probably was old Redskins gear. <laughs> um, and and they uh, yes. and Tanya Snyder came out and apologized to them personally and told them they could all use suites in the future for like. So the team the team did what they had to to make it right. And if it was any other organization out of the thirty one others in the league, you well maybe. 29 out of the 31 other teams in the league, you'd be like, well, you know, stuff happens and at least they handled it correctly. But because it's Washington, if it had been the Browns, if it had been, you know, one or two, the Jets, you're like, yep, that's about right. <laughs> that's exactly what you expect. Um, uh, I mean, if I was one of those people, I would only be appeased if I was given a brand new Robert Griffin III jersey. That's it. That's the only thing that would keep me happy. That like Robert this. Hainsworth. I'd be like, listen, you can keep the clothes and you can keep the suite, but could you could you please just improve the play calling? That's all I ask. You accidentally dumped sewage on me, so if you could just give me something watchable for my eyes, that would be great. Um, what was the game situation? Was this pregame that this happened? No, I think it was in the first quarter. I don't know. I, I, I definitely started seeing it pretty early in the game, first or second quarter uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah. I, I mean, know, but it was it's not just it, the team, it's also like the venue. Like everybody thinks that place is a dump. Well, that's because the place is a dump. I mean, yeah. it's it's in everybody's defense, it is a genuinely terrible stadium and to be honest has been since before Dan Snyder got here. It's just a bad stadium. Do you have uh, any other observations from this game? I feel like I did, but I, I can't think of them. I just what do you need to I guess sort of transitioning forward? What do you need to see on Thursday to just not be just uh, devastated? A win. Like they just need if they start zero two with a loss, two losses at home to an average to good team and a bad to average team. They're zero two with their quarterback hurt. Like that just starts to feel like you are on the precipice of a well, not feel like, but we're on the precipice of another really bad season. So I, I just I really want to win. I don't know that it's a must win, but it's it's like a must win to keep me from feeling shitty about Washington for a week and a half. Oh, I, I think it's a must win. And I more to the point, I don't think they can. I don't think I'm going to feel super good if they, you know, hold on and win with a last second field goal or even worse. They hold on and win on a defensive stand while, you know, they've let the giants drive inside the 15 with the clock running down trailing by four and they somehow don't lose. Like, I think I need them to win. I think I need them to go in and, and actually win big actively. It doesn't have to be big in margin of victory. It just, they have to go in and actively score points and actively make stops on defense and like, look like the better team otherwise if if it 
I don't know. You because you remember my, one of my preseason predictions was that Hertz was going to look better than people thought. The Eagles were going to be better than people thought, and the NFC East wasn't going to be the trash division. And the Cowboys came out and looked great. Mm-hmm. Hertz came out and looked better than people thought. Eagles looked better than people thought. The Giants looked about how people thought. Um, mm-hmm. And if it turns out that the Eagles and the Cowboys are the two good teams in the division and Washington is down there with the Giants, that is going to be a miserable failure of a season from the jump. Accurate. What do you think the line is for Washington, New York on Thursday night in at FedEx Field? At FedEx Field, Thursday night, short week, Washington coming off a close loss to a good team. The Giants got what handled, right? Yeah. Yeah, they um, lost to Denver handily. So, four, Washington by four. I got this one, I guessed it right on the nose. Washington by three. So that tells you that not a whole lot of separation between these two teams. Nope. I mean, assuming that they're still uh, giving the classic three-point, you know, home. Yeah. Although I guess you don't get three points at, at FedEx because there will no. be a large giant population. So, okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, the over under on this one 41 that is so that is so low that is the lowest over under of the week by at least two points well again when you're calling an offense from 1998 uh you're gonna put up 1998 point totals and Um, just eyeballing this the majority of this week's over unders are at 48 to like 55 so this game is a full it's touchdown. Like a, a full touchdown to two touchdowns fewer than like your your normal NFL game. I'm sure that's just because it's uh, two really talented defenses going head to head. I mean, whoever, if the intention is to schedule the bad games on Thursday night, then bravo. Week two, you nailed it. I feel bad for the rest of the country. I don't because it's week two. And I feel like week two... Um, you know, you're still so, just so excited to have football back that you'll watch whatever garbage they serve up. Um, so it's it's a good time to burn this one. I wonder. I really, I really want them to win big and for Daniel Jones to not look like Pat Mahomes. Washington you know, has the uncanny knack for making him like an all pro against like Daniel Jones against Washington is like Pat Mahomes against the rest of the league. He's what Dwayne Haskins. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, might be might be insulting to Dwayne Haskins. I don't know. Um, I, I wonder. And this is totally cynical, um, but I wonder if this Thursday game was actually supposed to be um, Washington's season opener because you would have New York against Washington on uh, right after the September 11th anniversary. So you could have made some real like dramatic hay with that. Uh, mm-hmm. But then because Washington had to face the Chargers, you start getting into scheduling and travel stuff and it got shifted around. That wouldn't surprise me if that was the mm-hmm. original plan. But this was as close as they could get it. Uh, I don't know. I'm speculating for no good reason, but I don't know. I'm excited, uh, but I'm now, unlike this game where theoretically I was excited and and really looking forward to it, now I'm in that sort of, uh, you know, excitement heavily tinged with dread for if it goes wrong. Like, yeah, there's no there's no best case scenario. The the best case scenario is you do the bare minimum, which is to win this game. And the worst case scenario is real bad at this point. I think they win this game, but watch out for real bad. Anything else? Uh, no, I mean, just checking in on your Marvel rewatch. How's that? Or not rewatch for you, but your, your entry into the Marvel universe. How's it going? 
I, I don't think we've made any progress since our last check-in. Excellent. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're going very slow with this. We might get through the Marvel Cinematic Universe before my son goes off to college in eight years or whatever. <laughs> well, if they keep releasing movies at the pace they're at and you keep watching at the pace you're watching, you won't. It won't happen. You'll still you'll be like going out for Visitor's Day junior year and still trying to get caught up. Well, I, I feel I just want to I just want something to talk to people about. You know, I mean, this stuff comes up and I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And so the, the thing I am also, you know, this is not the Marvel thing I'm doing with my son. This is more of a solo mission is uh, uh, I got HBO Max for free for a while, like three months. So I'm, I'm catching up. I, we had canceled HBO after Game of Thrones. I'm catching up on everything. Uh, I put it out on Twitter, like, what should I watch? And just based on results and like my own tastes, I chose uh, Mayor of Easttown, number one, and Succession, number two, and really only went in that order because Mayor is only seven episodes. So I could knock that out and then transition into Succession. But I'm excited to catch up on everything that's happened on HBO the last couple of years. Yeah, I still haven't watched Succession either. Uh, I think we were tweeting about this a little bit. I, um, I just I'm having my classic contrarian like, God, I'm so sick of everybody liking it so much that I'm just not going to I'm not even going to engage. Um, but well, maybe I should get over I, that. I did see I think I saw all of season one because it was like airing. It was like had already started when we had HBO. Uh, really enjoyed season one. I mean, it's basically like if you're interested, not, not just in this, it's like a good story, but also if you're interested in like. Uh, the modern kind of media world, there's an additional layer of interest, you know, because it's got like all of these kind of like Fox News and like BuzzFeed type dynamics happening, at least in season one. I don't know where, where it really goes from there. But you've got this like, you know, family story, you know, super elite New York family, plus all this like media intrigue. I, I really enjoyed season one. So looking forward to the rest of Succession. Here's my question about it. Is, is it... Is it like brisk and watchable or is it like intense and draining to watch? It's super fun. Okay. They make it very fun. Like it's a bit, it's a little bit hammy. Like all the characters are like turned all the way up. Like whatever their personalities are, they're like on 10 at all times. And you've got, you know, some comic relief in there. Uh, Yeah. It's a very like easy breezy watch. In fact, Watching, I was surprised the critical reception and like critical acclaim has seemed to have been so you know positive, because it feels a little trashy. Interesting. Well, that that's that's makes it much more exciting because everything I had heard made it feel like it was going to be sort of uh, ponderous and and I don't know. Something. No, that's I'm concerned about Mayor of Easttown. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For, for the same, I'm I'm a little concerned that it's going to be like a drag just a dreary like slog of a show but so many people have recommended it that I, i'm giving in i skipped that one for the same reason it felt like a slog when the main thing everybody is talking about is a great actress doing good accent work i'm like oh god no <laughs> hard freaking pass um so yeah yeah my my current rewatch is i am trying to rewatch all of the wachowskis movies before uh the new matrix sequel comes out in december um Wait, the new Matrix is coming out in December. Yeah, wasn't it just announced? Uh, maybe. I think I, I think they sort of held off on the real promo stuff until um, they were pretty close. But yeah, it's this Christmas. So, what is all of the Wachowski brother movies like? Other, there was three Matrix movies, right? 
Yeah. So it was, they started with a movie called Bound, which is a sort of uh, trashy, sort of noir post Tarantino movie from 1996 with Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly and Joe Pantoliano. It's great. It's like really terrific. Um, was there a lot of like sexy time in that movie? There was. I feel like it's I remember a, this from the nineties. Yeah. yeah, you would. Yeah, there's. It's it's a lesbian lesbian noir. Um, okay, there we go. It was a lesbian noir or sexy time. Yes. <laughs> yes, you you are remembering correctly, but it's also got lots of like really like ostentatiously. Uh, cool shots you know like mm-hmm. uh, the, the paint on the floor shot from the top down whatever so that's good then you get the <laughs> matrix movies then you get speed racer which i adore um and i think has been sort of is that an animated the, speed racer no or, it's just know. like it's just like heavy cgi um it's got okay. uh it's got what's his name from lost and uh christina ricci and matthew fox yeah matthew fox and christina ricci and that other guy whose name escapes me, but who's good. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's got John Goodman. It's a lot of fun. Um, it was not well received when it came out, but it's really like in hindsight, you're like, Oh, I get it. I see what you're doing here. It's good stuff. Then they had Jupiter ascending and they had cloud Atlas. And then if I have time, I'm going to try to watch sense eight on Netflix, but that's a whole series. And I hear that it's not like lively and fun. So, um, so you've watched almost all of that except the sense eight. And now you're rewatching it. Yeah. Well, part of the reason I'm rewatching, part of the reason I think they're so fascinating is because, you know, when they made the movies, they were billed as the Wachowski brothers and they were thought of as like pretty like not broish, but like geeky guy, like male movies uh, and male movie makers. So the fact that they have both um, transitioned and, and uh, now are the Wachowski sisters uh, and then you go back and you realize like all these movies are about like identity and you know the inside not connecting with the outside and stuff like that and you're like huh there's there's actually some much more interesting stuff here than we realized at the time so uh, more so than anything else you rewatch there's there's that been enough significant yeah. change uh to to make it worthwhile so but yeah it's a rewatch okay i had zero awareness of the Wachowski brothers becoming the Wachowski sisters and both of them in transition. That's pretty wild. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty weird. Um, the, I don't remember what order they came in. The first one came out around 2008 when speed racer was released and she, um, she sort of publicly announced it. And then the, the second one, um, was outed, um, prior to when she was ready, like years later five or six years later um and so just the whole thing is just very weird um like that the, the way it, you know whatever the matrix four is that what we're calling it yes uh, it matrix is. resurrections i believe is what its actual name is but yes i mean is keanu in it yes keanu is in it um they just released the first trailer keanu has his full like john wick beard and hair um the, uh, what's her name carrie ann moss is in it it looks like um, the guy from Watchmen, the, um, the husband, Yaya, whatever his name is, that guy, uh-huh. uh, from Watchmen is in it in what looks like either the Lawrence Fishburne role or a thinly veiled replacement for it. Um, there's some other people in it. I don't know. It looks, it looks good. It's only one of the sisters though. Only the one, their names are Lily and Lana Wachowski now, and I cannot mm-hmm. remember which one of the two four-letter L names it is who is involved and which one is not. But it's only one of them who's doing it. 
Look, man, I just I just need to know if Keanu is in it. Keanu is in it. <laughs> he is in it. He is back, and he is going full Keanu. Whoa. Whoa. There's a picture, there's a shot in the trailer of him in a bathtub with a rubber ducky on his head that is just, like, priceless. It's just great. Good stuff. All right, good. Where would I be without you? I, I was only vaguely aware that there was another Matrix movie happening, let alone that it was coming out in three months, and Keanu's yeah. in it. Excellent, and and, and the uh, and that the directors were now a totally totally different people from who they were uh, twenty years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not up on current events. All right, anything else? We good? Uh, no, you want to talk about the Met Gala? You have any favorite favorite looks from the Met Gala? There's a lot of that on my Twitter on my timeline oh, last night. I was like, what's happening? Me what too. And <laughs> and I'm trying to like. There's a lot a lot of it using like very specific like. Tell, like lots of like so and so understood the assignment and whatnot like and I'm like I I just this is not my one. I'm so that. glad you said understood the assignment. I feel like that is the like slang phrase du jour that I've already made a rule that I will never use. Yep, hundred percent. I had this, and last night was the moment where I was like, well, never mind, <laughs> never saying this again. Yeah, like there's, there, I, I don't have an actual list. I should write this down, but like I will never say something like, oh, Matt understood the assignment. <laughs> totally. Well, <laughs> we will. We'll be saying it, but we'll be saying it ironically. You'll have like a, you know, a picture of like Taylor Heineke upside down without his helmet slamming into the ground. Be like Taylor Heineke understood the assignment. <laughs> yeah, there's just something very like, you know, what's up, fellow youths, about the whole understood the assignment. I feel like a lot of brands, they're already doing it, but you'll see a lot of a lot of brands using that phrase. Yes, uh, the Popeye's chicken sandwich understood the assignment. <laughs> okay, I think that's it for real. Uh, I will talk to you after the Giants game. Hopefully yeah, or, not uh, drowning in sorrow. Yeah, hopefully not. Are we should, so that our many many listeners know? Do we think we're going to target Bye, a Mom. Friday podcast? Yeah. Yeah, sure. we got to get the content out while it's fresh. That's right. Let's farm farm that content before it uh, spoils on the vine. All right, buddy. Talk to you then. Talk to you later. Bye. All right.